Hello and welcome to the ADHD Mums podcast. I'm your host Jane and I'm here to let you know you are not alone. This is a safe place where we can talk openly about our struggles with having ADHD, being a mum and dealing with life a little outside the box. We are real people with real stories who want to be able to laugh, confine and strive to be better than what we were yesterday. My name is Jane McBadden. I'm a 36 year old mother of three who was diagnosed with ADHD a little over a year ago. I'm here to help you live out your full potential with a diagnosis or without one. I am passionate about helping others take back their life and having a great time while doing so. On this show, you can expect to laugh, hear vulnerable discussions and learn why things are the way they are for mums with ADHD. No two humans are the same, no two diagnoses are the same, and no two stories are the same. It's something that feels really personal, and we as mums seem to find a way to put pressure on ourselves to be perfect, to work in a great job that we get paid well for, and are passionate about, have a clean, tidy home, and well-mannered, obedient children, to have it all. Can we just drop the expectations? There's no way that that's possible. We have a lot to learn and a lot to look forward to on this podcast, so let's go. In this episode, I want to cover how to recognize ADHD in girls. We as mothers, if we've been diagnosed, we know that we have a stronger likelihood of our children having ADHD. And it's hard when you're looking through the lens of a mother, of a child that you love just so dearly. It's also extremely confusing because if you point out any symptoms to teachers, healthcare professionals, GPs, they may not be up to date with the latest in ADHD and how it presents in girls. We know the stereotypical behavior is the loud, hyperactive eight-year-old boy that's disruptive. We need to learn as mothers how to recognize the mistaken and misunderstood symptoms of ADHD in girls and turn this around So it's not an unfair unbalance for your daughter or for yourself. We don't want our daughters to go undiagnosed or unrecognized for the amount of time that we did. This is the time that we can start to make a difference. And I am overtly and I am annoyingly interested in the presentation of ADHD in girls. If we can start talking about what ADHD looks like in girls, then we can start to get the message out there. And we can also help to break the stigma. I find myself hanging out with women who have ADHD, whether they know it or not. And my daughter also tends to have friends who are a little neurodiverse. So, okay, let's recognize the key symptoms. Fast and quick. This is ADHD mums. We do not have time for long-winded answers. ADHD girls typically are more inattentive with ADHD than hyperactive. Let's not go into the name and how it doesn't make any sense because we know that, we know it's a terrible name. I hope they redo it at some point. We know that ADHD girls can present daydreaming, feeling anxious or sad, exhibiting silliness or apparent ditziness, acting shy, inattentive, trouble maintaining close friendships. They may have lots of friends, but no close ones. Repetitive behaviours can be common. And they can also be an absolute perfectionist. I won't go for a long period into why the girls are missed. We all know this. But I will highlight that girls are more likely to ask for help, try harder and mask the symptoms. They might get through to uni or motherhood without ever being detected. Girls typically internalise the stress instead of lashing out like some of the boys will. 
but at home you might see explosive behaviour that nobody can believe. We also know that hyperactivity in girls presents completely differently to boys. We know that boys will continually blurt out answers, tap feet, hit people, try to get attention negatively. A girl might demonstrate hyperactivity by talking a lot. However, a little girl that talks a lot can be viewed as chatty, not hyper or problematic. We also know that girls are more likely to be inattentive. They have poor attention span, limited attention span, forgetfulness, distractibility, and failure to finish activities. But they're also going to be less disruptive and obvious. Put simply, a hyperactive boy who repeatedly bangs on his desk will be noticed before the inattentive girl who stares out the window twirling her hair. I think this is also really highlighted when my daughter was in grade one. I mentioned to her teacher a number of times that she was saying to me things at home, I can't hear. I don't know what's being said. I forget things. This is before I was diagnosed, by the way. And I went to the teacher a number of times and I was saying to her, she's such a social butterfly, but she doesn't really have any close friends. She says she can't hear things. I feel like she's getting behind. I ask her to do things. She doesn't do them. And she was also displaying a lot of sensory issues. So I, I was struggling to do her hair. I was struggling to do up her shoes. Her socks were a problem. And I was kind of putting this all together going, I don't think that this feels right to me. But the teacher, who was brilliant, by the way, I've got, like, she was a great teacher. She said to me, oh, well, we know that it's not ADHD because I've taught ADHD before and it's not that. And I was like, really? Because I'm looking up the symptoms and I'm kind of thinking it does. And, you know, my brother had been diagnosed with ADHD. But I did float the idea a couple of times. And this is a brilliant teacher from a pretty decent school. And she really had no experience in girls. The only girl that she said she'd ever taught with ADHD was a girl that presented in the boy way with the hyperactive, disruptive behaviour. So in the end, they put it down to auditory processing. We did hearing tests and her hearing was fine and nothing really got better. It was only when I took my daughter to an ADHD female specialist clinical psychologist that we actually got somewhere. Even then, it was a battle to get the, the teachers and their schools to realise that there was anything going on purely because of how hard my daughter tried. She wasn't that far behind, but I knew she wasn't reaching her potential. And a lot of the time she would pretend to know what was going on, or she'd ask a friend, or she'd frantically catch up and cover it up. But every now and again, she'd say to me, the teacher yelled at me today, or they were upset with me today because I didn't know what was happening. I was trying just so hard. And as a mother, isn't that hard to hear? So we know that the differences in presentation really cause some girls to slip through the cracks. And what this does is, is that it really increases the undertreatment. It's not a trivial disorder. What we need is some professional care in this area. But it can be so hard to get recognised. And I think as mothers, we need to be really aware of what it actually looks like, as opposed to what health professionals think it looks like because we know that this is a evolving area that's moving very quickly at this point. The expectation on GPs and teachers to be completely up to date with every latest research in ADHD is probably really unfair. I mean, I couldn't imagine being a teacher at the moment. They're under so much pressure. So to then expect them to be highly educated in some of these areas may not be realistic for a lot of teachers and at schools.
And this is where we really need to advocate for our kids. We also know that females will suffer more negatively than males with their ADHD in terms of their mental health. They are more likely to repeat a grade due to poor performance. So a survey has shown that when a boy struggles, he's more likely to be evaluated for ADHD or a learning disability that held back. But sometimes a teacher will hold a female student back a year to repeat that year, but then still not be evaluated or assessed or medicated or helped in any way. They'll just believe that she's not quite ready for that year. Being held back a grade, I would imagine, would really affect your self-esteem. The self-esteem of girls with ADHD is much more impaired than of boys with ADHD. A recent study came out and said that girls were three times more likely to take antidepressants before they are diagnosed. We know that girls with ADHD tend to have more mood disorders, anxiety, self-esteem, depression. They might get the A, but that's because they've had to work three times harder to get it. They don't necessarily see themselves as smart and capable people. They can feel constantly standing out that they don't have the right things at the right time. And for us as ADHD mothers, that can be really difficult. For example, my daughter came home 48 hours ago and she pulled out this old piece of paper from a bag and she needed to have a PowerPoint with some pictures of our house, her favourite food, a pet, stuff that she likes to do on the weekend, pictures of her friends. I was so overwhelmed. And, you know, if I'm honest, I was irritated with her. You know, I said, when's this due? And she said, oh, it was due today. I'm like, really? Okay. Uh, so when are we going to do it? This is like 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. Like I was planning on sitting down watching a show at 7.30. And I was thinking my whole evening is now wiped. And she starts to get upset because my daughter is so conscientious and beautiful and she just doesn't want to let anyone down or do the wrong thing. So as soon as you see her face fall, I'm just such a sucker. I'm like, oh, no, she's feeling bad about herself. And I say to her, you know, you really need to bring this homework down, you know, to me straight away. And she's she's beating herself up, so I, I don't say too much about it. I was like, okay, okay, well look, we'll just we'll just do it now. What do we have to do? But of course that sense of responsibility also jumps in because at the same time I'm talking to her about it and she's getting so upset. I think to myself, why did I not know about this? Why did I not ask her about her PowerPoint? Is this being the newsletter? So the first thing I did is I opened up the newsletter and I was like, just let me check this. Also trying to make sure that the information she gave me was correct also. And I opened it up and I do remember reading it. And it actually said, your child will be bringing home this homework. But because I hadn't really heard about it, it sounds awful, but I was actually kind of like, oh, well, maybe it's not happening. I don't really want to do that. Um, I'll wait till I'm told or, you know, I haven't really seen anything yet. I'm sure we'll get to that instead of following up with my daughter, that perhaps she might have something in a bag that she wants to show me. And then, of course, she says to me, look, um, actually what happened today was that they asked everybody where it was and she didn't even really know what she was supposed to have done or be doing. So at that point I did think, well, if I had been in the newsletter and I had followed up, she wouldn't have known the answer and then what would I have done? And that's where that communication with the teacher really has to be spot on. Because in hindsight, I probably should have read the newsletter, emailed the teacher and said, hey, my daughter does not know what 
really this is. I'm assuming you've told her three times already, but could you just reiterate to me? Because I'm trying to figure out what it is that we're supposed to be doing. I noticed an email not long ago. I was going through my emails for something to school. My daughter's teacher from last year. I noticed an email trail about auditory processing and I opened it and thought, oh, this is when I thought there was something going on. And, you know, I didn't get the positive response. They were more like, oh, no, I think it's a hearing problem. Anyway, I noticed in the in the email reply, I had such a good laugh because in the auditory processing thing, the teacher kind of said, oh, no, look, I don't think that's really the issue. Just get a hearing tested. And my response at the end of that was, OK, cool. No worries. Thanks. I will do. And then I followed it up with. So with the Seesaw app, what's my login? I can't find my password. I know there's something to do with reading eggs. Was there something that was sent home? I might have it. I might have lost it. Do you think we can go over when the homework is? And the amount of questions that I asked for grade one, and it was like four months in at this point. So I had a bit of a giggle thinking that is the most ADHD email trail I've seen for a while. The fact that the mother is following up on ADHD, being told, no, it's auditory processing, and then following up with her own ADHD questions, I think that's kind of hilarious. So there is a little bit of self-reflection there too and self-responsibility as mothers. But I think for me, I, I do try and protect my daughter from the feelings of, of not being good enough or of the feelings of not being competent and having that that evidence being given to her you know she's already saying to me I have a forgetful brain because that's her experience is that she forgets things and her working memory isn't great one of the funny things I do find about ADHD is you know because your working memory is not great and this happens in, in you know probably males as well but with girls I notice it a lot with following instructions you know you'll say to them brush your teeth and then brush your hair they'll either get distracted or they'll forget the brush the hair bit because they only heard the first bit it's a little bit like when you have to put your password into an app on your phone and sometimes they send you via text a six-digit password and then you have to put it into your phone. So you have to go from email to Safari or Chrome, whatever it is that you use, and remember the six numbers. I cannot tell you. I literally cannot do that. It's like my working memory is completely gone. So if you'll notice with your daughter that they're having trouble remembering or they're having trouble hearing or they can't do steps that would be developmentally appropriate for that age. I do notice that as my daughter's getting older, it is becoming a bit more pronounced. Whereas when she was five and she was in prep, you know, they're all kind of a little bit off track. It's difficult to keep anyone on task. And, you know, you've got boys in there that are only, you know, four and a half. And then you've got a girl who's, you know, five and a half. And you might not realise that your five-and-a-half-year-old girl is still behind attention-wise than a four-and-a-half-year-old boy. So those are the things I think to watch because it does get more pronounced later. But earlier, I feel like there's this thing from doctors and health professionals where it's kind of that, no, no, let's just wait and see. And I, I understand that, but sometimes as mothers we get that gut feeling too that there's something not right. So let's put in an example with girls and boys with like, a, let's say, a project for school. Let's say that they've been given a month to do it. So in that time, this is the stereotypical, right? The boy would know about the deadline, wait till the day of the deadline, 
and then on the day of the deadline go, oh, well, I just want to watch TV. I really don't want to do that. I'll just not say anything and hope that it goes away. They go to school. They haven't done the project. Meanwhile, the urgent deadline creeps up on the girl and it's due the next day as well. However, her perfectionism could really kick into gear here, that conscientious not wanting to get it wrong. And she starts working on it that night. The next thing you know, she's demanding, of course, her mother to stay up late with her to finish it. She hands it in the next day, but she doesn't say to the teacher, I started it yesterday and I made my mum stay up with me last night. All she does is hand it in and the teacher goes, oh, well done, without realising that there was an issue. Girls really seem to be more compelled to get their schoolwork done and our culture really encourages them to be socially conscious. They really want to please more than boys and they want they expect it and they want to do well at school. We know that girls with ADHD will try so much harder than boys to compensate and cover up their symptoms. We know they'll put the extra hours into studying, ask their parents for help. A little bit similar, I've had a few people on this podcast that have said to, to me things like, it will take me so much brain power to enter everything into my schedule. But my husband, whether he has ADHD or not, seems to get a free pass. He, he doesn't even try to be organised or he's, he's ADHD too and he, oh, well, if he gets it wrong, he doesn't care. But yet for women, not showing up to an appointment or not having your child what they need to have is so is so frowned upon by society. So, of course, we try so much harder. Even, you know, women with ADHD with neurotypical husbands are still in charge of the organising, which is kind of hilarious if you think about it. And also, but really taxing on them because their husband may not realise how much that's actually taken them to get that organised. You might find as well that in primary school, girls with ADHD can go okay. So you may feel in your mind that they can do better. But often I was told, again, with my daughter that she was going okay. She wasn't in the bottom reading group, but she was in the second bottom and she couldn't really get any help because, you know, she was kind of like still near average. And, you know, for me, I wasn't really happy with that because I'd had her IQ tested and it was actually quite high. So I was trying to figure out what was happening. But we know that if they're going along progressing okay in primary school, they may not be tested. And are they going okay because of just sheer will and how hard they're trying? Or are their symptoms just as much of a problem as the boys? We also know that girls in primary school will start masking. And I'm going to do another episode on this one. But it's generally around perfectionism. So a girl might take hours and hours taking notes in class or going over and over at home, maths and reading. She might read all of her books over and over for her readers. She might check and recheck her bag because she's concerned that she just won't have everything and she's full of anxiety. We also know that in the playground, ADHD can be an issue. We also know that girls with ADHD are probably going to be more rejected than the boys with ADHD. The main reason is that compared to boys, girls' friendships are a lot more sophisticated, they have a lot more maintenance, and there's a lot more grudge-holding and complexity to the relationships. I have two boys myself. I know I talk about my daughter a lot. I have two boys myself, and I, I see them. They're a little neurospicy, and most of their friends are a little neurospicy. But I notice that sometimes they will be disruptive. They'll break each other's things. They'll knock each other's blocks down. They'll you know, put sand in each other's holes at the beach. But yet at the end of the day, 
they'll share a drink bottle and they'll high five at the end and they'll talk about how much they miss each other, even if it feels like they've spent most of the time fighting. Whereas for girls, sometimes my daughter will list just a huge list of, of what someone has done to her, but yet that, that's her best friend. And it's just much more complex. And when things are hard to read and they're complex, then we know that girls can accidentally make mistakes. Let's say, for example, girls can be quite impulsive, hyperactive, forgetful, and they might just have what I have, which is brain-to-mouth syndrome, where you just say what's in your head, which is not very good. You can constantly interrupt, which is difficult for me still to do. Or to remember a friend's birthday. A group might be having a look at someone's new toy or their new shoes or something that they're doing. And the girl with ADHD will just blurt out something completely unrelated. And then the other girls might look at her and wonder what she's coming from, what she's doing. They might start classing her as annoying, which is a word I hear a lot. This social awkwardness can make it really difficult for a little girl to make to feel good about herself and sustain relationships and not be left out because it's the exclusion in girl dynamics, in my opinion, that really hurt. And this is right from primary to high school. And I think the labels can be a bit of a problem too. My daughter's been called a social butterfly, a daydreamer. These are labels that are applied wrong and they're also a bit thoughtless because it's actually their symptoms of their neurology in their brain that we're listing and labeling, you know, as a social butterfly. That actually might mean that she's struggling to forge proper friendships. And what that might actually mean is that social butterfly might mean that she has to go from group to group because the other the girls won't play with her every time and she kind of has to spread herself out. And then we know that We've got excessive talking in there, poor self-esteem, worrying, risk-taking, nosiness. Or one of the ones that I really suffered from in the past as a child was saying things that you shouldn't. And we know that when girls hit, you know, grade two, three, four, and then right way through high school, there's a lot of talking behind each other's back. There's a lot of secrets and the expectation that your friend will keep their secret. If you find that your daughter is accidentally telling people secrets, They might have no idea socially, one, that they're supposed to do that, or they might know that they're not supposed to share the secret, but they might be so impulsive that they feel in that moment that it's safe and that they can. And they figure out quite quickly afterwards that they've repeated their friend's secret. It might be their only friend. And now they're taking a hit of shame, of worrying and wondering why they did that, but yet it was in their head and they couldn't stop it and it just came out oversharing embarrassing things at home maybe they sent a photo of something to somebody as a joke and didn't realize it would be shared onwards the social symptoms in ADHD girls can be really difficult and without their diagnosis and the knowledge that girls may have this we don't want to just say to them don't say things that you shouldn't be saying watch what you're saying to people be more aware Ask to join in rather than just running in and giving them things that don't work. I remember when I was younger, I remember my mum saying to me, be really careful what you say and write down. And I would imagine in social media in these days it would be similar where people would write comments and get screenshot of what they've said or text. Maybe they've written a text about another friend and sent it on. 
it's really easy to say, don't do that. But for them, that's actually a really hard ask. I met someone recently who I felt might have had ADHD, but I didn't obviously mention it. I just met her and I don't know, maybe she had it and it was diagnosed. Who knows? We didn't talk about it. But I noticed that we were on a play date, which I rarely do, but I was there for the sake of one of my kids who I really liked this other kid in his class and I was trying to facilitate a friendship. I don't like play dates with people I don't know. I try not to do them, but this time I did. And it didn't really work out anyway because they didn't really maintain the friendship. I was hoping they would and my son's gone back to the kids that are a little bit more exciting, which matches his ADHD, where I was trying to hoping that he would be friends with this little boy who was a little sweet and quite conscientious and, and kind. And I was think that one might have been a bit of false hope because he was he's definitely more keen on the action kids, which are the ones that tend to get a bit more in trouble. They're the risk takers, isn't that interesting? Disruptive, isn't that interesting? Anyway, so I was on this play date and this mum was telling me all about her life and to be honest, she was oversharing pretty hard and I was like just listening to be honest and I started to switch off after about half an hour because I was like, wow, it's like listening to someone's autobiography verbally. Anyway, and I was thinking, I wonder if she's nervous, maybe she's got social anxiety, why is she just... Like I, I do that too, where in the beginning I'll talk a lot, but then I'll usually calm down and start asking questions. But she really went like nearly the whole hour. And at the end of it, there was a few red flags and that was the oversharing where she just started talking about how much money she had in each of her bank accounts. And I was like, wow. And again, I don't think I'm pretty judgy because I'm a bit of an overshare. I get it. I love neurodiverse people. But I noticed there at that point, I was like, that's, that's too far. That's, that's not social anxiety. I think that's ADHD. So if you think about expecting girls to not share things that aren't socially appropriate, can be a massive ask because that's a full grown woman with children who just told me on a play date how much money is in her bank accounts. And I doubt she'd even remember telling me if she even listened to this right now. So that makes me wonder with all of the development and all that we know and how old we are, we're still doing these behaviours, you know, where it might be too much to expect girls to behave differently. And, you know, how can we communicate around that? So the oversharing in girls can be a real issue. If you see that happening and you're wondering why, that, that could possibly be a symptom there. Also, appearing to be silly, show off, show pony, boy crazy. My daughter exhibits all of that. She is an absolute nutter. And I mean that with love. My daughter is one of the silliest kids I've ever met. And when she gets with her other silly friends, they just go completely crazy. And I hope that she maintains that, honestly, because it's so hilarious. She talks in voices. She pretends to be Barbie. Then she's a cat. She is all over the place after holding in at school. And she's such a little drama queen. So, I mean, we're going to enroll her in theatre and I really want to nurture that. But some of that behaviour can be a little ADHD, you know, wanting to get that dopamine hit of being the centre of attention, telling jokes, that kind of thing. Possibly ADHD symptoms. As parents, there can be a bit of a, a concern or a wonder. Should we get this child diagnosed? I don't want to medicate anyway. What I would say about that is maybe just be a bit more open-minded. 
I think if you get a diagnosis, you've always got options. The diagnosis path just takes such a long time. And then actually getting access to medication and treatment takes a long time. So if your child's in grade one or two now and you're not open to medication, that's okay. But you don't want her to hit grade six or seven and then realize that perhaps maybe you are open now. Perhaps she's asking for more help and you don't have that there. So if you are looking for a diagnosis for one of your children, I would really recommend that you have a listen to the How to Get a Diagnosis in Australia episode with Dr. Jacinta Thompson. She doesn't treat children, but she does treat adults, but she will go through the pathways in that episode. But just quickly, if if you're low on time, you can get a clinical psych to do an application for the NDIS. Clinical psychs are fantastic. You also can get a referral for the public system for the paediatrician, but get ready for a long wait. However, you might be okay with that. You can also get a referral for a private paediatrician as well. Be aware, up here on the Sunshine Coast, every single book is shut for private paediatricians. So you might want to ring around. I wouldn't probably go to a GP and say, oh, need a referral to a paediatrician and just get one referral because you'll probably ring them and they'll be full. So have a ring around first. Post on Facebook, maybe one of the mum groups, see who's someone that's highly recommended or someone who might have open books and then probably do it that way. It does take a while, so it is it is good to get started. Even if you're not sure if you'll disclose ADHD to your child or not, I think it's still a great idea to get a diagnosis and then you can always make that decision later. I've seen some really great books on different brains and there's nothing wrong with getting prepared. I'm always about getting prepared. Would I have liked to have known that my brain worked differently? If I'm honest, yes. Yes, I would have loved to know that. I haven't told my daughter yet. She's only seven. We reference that both of us have have a bit of a forgetful brain, but I always reference that I have a forgetful genius brain. I forget little things, but wow, I'm smart. And that's what I communicate to my daughter because she's really clever. And I think I'm clever too. So I always say to her, yeah, we have a forgetful brain, but we have a quick brain. Our brain is so fast. We have a Ferrari brain. And there's some beautiful books. We're not to that stage yet, but, you know, probably in the next year or so, I will have that conversation with her. But if I didn't have a diagnosis and she was getting a bit more critical, like let's say she was really upset, she was not going well in school and socially she wasn't going well, you know, it it can be nice to have that diagnosis up your sleeve. Um, I noticed some research has come out recently and the belief is that the children are relieved to hear an ADHD diagnosis. That's what the research says. I can put up a glossary with some of that research, but of course, it's totally up to you as a mother. And I hear the other side of it where teachers say, oh, as soon as the child hears that they have ADHD, they play into it. They forget more. They're more hyperactive and it's not a good thing. I don't know. Is that really their true personality they're bringing out or is that an excuse? Or, I mean, what is what what is even with that comment? I don't understand it. So anyway, it's completely up to you. You as a mother, you know the right thing to do for your child. But I just wanted to do a podcast on what is ADHD in girls? How does it present? Any questions, comments, feedback, send it in. I'd love that. I'd love a, a follow, a share, or even come on as a guest. My website's www.adhdmums.com.au. Come on as a guest. I'd love to have you. Thank you so much. Until next time.